then you really have to start thinking about not what are you worth, but what are you valued at? What are your skills valued at in your industry? And what is the return on the investment going to be for somebody who, who ultimately hires and works with you? And I think that's really the differentiator. Like, um, I think a lot of the time people will just add extra zeros or feel shame or whatever around their race because it's now attached to their identity in the sense that like, I know I'm worth more. I need to charge more. And it's like, your worth is infinite. You are listening to the influencer podcast, episode 135. Today, we have the fabulous Jerisha Hawk on the show. Now, she is the epitome of a go-getter. She will be the first to tell you that you are the one that will get things done, and you are the one who will stand in your own way. We may be products of our own environment, but we are not victims to our circumstances. What? Mic drop. You know I am loving what she is putting down. Now, Jerisha did not have an easy start to life, but she never let her circumstances stand in her way. While in college, she studied engineering. She crushed that. Then to pay for college, she started her modeling career, crushed that. Then during her senior year, her financial aid fell through. So she spent a week on Google and her online retail fashion business was formed. In just a few short months, she made over $50,000, paid off her tuition. And then she spent time in the corporate engineering world before starting her own coaching business. Now she helps people take the skills that they already have and package them into high-end offers, high-ticket services that they can actually sell. She does this through her premium program, Services That Sell. Now, if you or anyone who has ever had an idea, a service, or product that may be at a higher price point and you don't really know how to sell it, this is the episode for you. Make sure to download your free transcript today of this episode at juliesolomon.net slash 135. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Hi, Jerisha. How are you? Julie, I am doing well today, enjoying this Cali sunshine while I'm out here traveling. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited that you're here. I've actually been wanting to get you on this podcast for over a year because we met last year in Florida and have a lot of mutual friends. And I'm so glad that we're finally here doing this because I know that you're going to start to shed some amazing high ticket goodness on us today. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so pumped. Yes. Yeah, so I would love if you could share a little bit about what, what got you into like that high ticket, like that being kind of your thing that you specialized in and that you loved teaching and serving up for people. Yeah. One, uh, thanks for asking that question. Nobody asked specifically about like how I got in a high ticket or why. Um, but my background, I'm a, I'm a pipeline engineer by trade. So I went to school, graduated with civil engineering. And one thing that even which led me to even graduating with an engineering degree is that I always wanted to put, position myself for the highest earning potential at, at every stage in my life. So I started off, um, even when I was in college and going down more of the traditional corporate route, I was always looking for how can I leverage the skills that I have to position myself to make the most amount of money possible. Um, and I just, you know, so that's really carried over into how I act and how I behave in my business. But one of the biggest reasons why I think we need to be having a anchored high ticket offer in our service suite um, is mainly because just the statistics of what small businesses are in the United States. 
that the average small business owner makes $44,000 a year. The average woman-owned uh, small business makes $22,000 a year. And when you really start to peel back the layers of like, why are we not making more money? Um, why is there a pay gap? Like why are, especially women-owned businesses not even earning the average of what small business owners make in the United States? It's like, we're not charging enough. Like we have been constantly lowballing our rates. Um, I'm generalizing a bit here, but even in the corporate world, we're not negotiating, we're not asking for more, we're not you know, going after the roles or the positions that necessarily have a higher pay. And then that kind of trickles into when we start our own businesses, we start behaving the same way under these limiting beliefs or fears that maybe we acquired in our traditional work environment. So I'm just a really huge advocate on you know, I'm not really like, who cares about breaking the glass ceiling when you can just build your own building like there and you can, you know, change the roof that you're under. Um, and I really do believe that like, I'm just, I think entrepreneurship is the bridge to economic equalization. And once we start charging more for our rates and really understanding how to articulate the value of what we deliver and how that articulates into what our price point should be, I think that'll just radically, you know, shift the dynamic of our household to what our financial situation is. So, mm. so, so good. <laughs> yes. And so much there. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about, um, setting prices. Cause I get this question a lot. And of course it's a two, it's, it's a multitude of things, but, you know, but, but specifically what you're really talking about a lot is like, we don't ask for it. There's this limiting belief for this mindset that uh, women predominantly have, um, to not really show up. And then of course you've got socioeconomic issues that can happen there as well in the workforce. But I want to kind of dive into um, first of that, that idea of how do you determine pricing for services? That idea of how do you determine pricing for services? So I, I think it's multifaceted. I, I like to look at it from a very practical standpoint and then kind of um, like pulling back. But from a very practical standpoint, if you just look at the numbers, what are your revenue goals? How much time um, do you actually have available to dedicate to your business? And how much do you need to be charging to even get remotely close to your income goals? Sometimes just looking at those numbers from like a just very like data-driven perspective, you'll automatically realize, okay, I need to be in the ballpark of $1,000 to $3,000 per client if I only have 15 hours a week to work in my business for me to hit my income goal of, you know, I don't know, five grand a month or something. Um, so I like to start there, but then it's like, once you, I'm not a huge fan of just, don't just add extra zeros just because you feel the need to add extra zeros. Right. <laughs> um, Cause I definitely know that that, um, I guess point of reference exists in, in our business world. But so, so I would start with that, but then you really have to start thinking about not what are you worth, but what are you valued at? What are your skills valued at in your industry? And what is, the return on the investment going to be for somebody who, who ultimately hires and works with you. And I think that's really the differentiator. Like, um, I think a lot of the time people will just add extra zeros or feel shame or whatever around their rates because it's now attached to their identity in the sense that like, I know I'm worth more, I need to charge more. And it's like, your worth is infinite, but it's really about like, what is the value of the skill sets that you bring to the table um, and I really like to look at it, which bucket do you fall in? Are you a revenue generating role or are you in a fulfillment role? And if you're in a revenue generating role, meaning that you're in, you have a skill set that teaches people how to generate more cash flow if you're working with business to business, um, as an example, you typically, well, 
not even typically, you will get paid more than somebody who's in a traditional fulfillment role where that role is just some, some a role that just kind of needs to be filled to get the work done, but it's not directly correlated or tied to how the business generates revenue. So I think it's like a, a balancing act between looking at what the raw numbers are in regards to kind of where your income goals are and what current capacity you have in your business. Um, but then also really separating your worth and your value as a human being um, and really understanding what is the value of my skill set and, and does it fall into that revenue role or that fulfillment role? And that will kind of dictate, will start to give you at least a, a groundwork on where your rate should be. Mm, that's good. That's good. So, and I think it's important to to note that, you know, it's like, I know people that have, you know, maybe completely like lower point items, but they're generating so much volume that they deliver, you know, like gangbusters, or you have those people that are focusing, and we're going to talk about this more on that higher ticket item. And that's their thing. And that's what they go all into. And they also generate like gangbusters. So there's really, there's no wrong answer. And because I think a lot of times people feel like, well, I can't do that because I don't have a $5,000 program or I don't have a $25,000 mastermind. Or they say like, well, you know, I don't want to basically put all of my life's work out there and only charge $99 for it. And so they, they get into this loop of not really taking any action because they keep kind of having this going on and on and on in their head. So I would love to get your perspective. And before we kind of get into like, what are high ticket, what is a high ticket item? What are those sales? How does that work? How does someone kind of overcome that idea? And it's kind of like what you were talking about at the beginning of the conversation of you know, a lot of times we don't ask for what we want. We don't ask for how much we want. We don't really take the time to sit down, run the numbers, kind of see what that looks like and then reverse engineer it. So what are some tools and some steps, if you have any, that you could give the listeners to kind of even getting there to kind of clear out that clutter and get to a good place of understanding like, am I someone that's going to be selling lower cost items and I'm just going to need a lot more volume to get what I want? Or am I someone who can kind of go down the high ticket item route? So I think that's the first answer that people need to come, like the first question people need to answer. I think a lot of the time, um, business owners, especially if they're in their starting phases or like making less than six figures a year, it's important for you to decide what type of business model you want to be running. Cause that will then dictate how you show up in that business, what your offers look like and what your price points are. So I, you know, the traditional route is definitely that, that we see often is more of this low ticket, mid ticket, high ticket, have this full on Ascension suite um, and kind of get people in with this lower ticket offering and then roll them up as you go. And I think that's one route to take. Um, I think that that business model works really well if you already have a volume to sell to, like you already have an existing audience, you already have people who are available there to buy your thing or you have the capital to go buy those leads. Um, The other bucket is kind of what I call it flipping the funnel where you focus on introducing a high ticket offer out of the gate. But the goal here is for you to sell to a smaller volume of people. And if you're making less than six figures, I think that that business model works really, really well because you don't need to have a ton of money or capital to, to buy leads, to buy the volume that you need for you to you know, sell your services. And you don't, need to ha- you don't need to serve a ton of people. You can focus on you know, a minimum viable audience and, and solve a very specific problem for that specific niche um, and charge high ticket for it. So I think that's the first question, you know, if you're listening to this right now, to start to dissect, do you want to go into more of a... Like, and I think it's also important to think about what season of business are you in and realizing that your seasons as you evolve in business will change. 
So you may start doing um, like selling services as you know high volume, I mean high ticket, low volume in the beginning. But once you start to make 80k, 150k a year, you might start to expand what your business model looks like and introduce like you know a, a variety of offers. So I think it's really just important for you to evaluate what season of business you're in, what capacity do you have in this season of business, and what's the most profitable business model for you where you are right now. Um, versus, you know, I think sometimes it's very natural for us to just mimic what we see the millionaires doing. Um, but realizing that they're in a different season of business, they have a different capacity, different resources to be able to execute the strategies that we may, you know, try to funnel hack what they're doing or what we see them doing online. So, um, I think that's really the first step is just identifying which season of business you're in and which business model best suits you. Um, but then I would also uh, really factor into what skills do you already have that you can leverage? Um, I think this is another thing that a lot of my students struggle with. I know I struggled with in the beginning is how do I mirror what my current skill sets are and what I could turn into a service or turn into something that I can sell versus what my passions are. And realizing that my passion may not be the thing that makes me profitable in the beginning and that's okay. Like every one of my passions, every one of my hobbies does not need to be monetized. Um, so it's really focusing on, I think the second piece of that is what skill sets do you have that you can bring to the table that add value that you can, um, actually turn into like this business idea, which one is the best fit it for a business opportunity? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that's, that's so good. And it's so important because I think that a lot of times people do, they're like, well, you know, I have to follow my passion and I have to do what I'm passionate about. And sometimes that may not be what your audience wants from you at this time. So it's really about finding what, how can I be a solution provider? What, what is, what is something that people are already coming to me for consistently, pretty much on a daily basis anyway, that I could monetize that I also enjoy enough to consistently get it get it going so it becomes something so then I can pivot into something that I really love to do at a later time. I think that a lot of times that's completely missed. Yeah, and I, I mean I think it's hard like when I know when I first started my business I was just you know absorbing the teachings and the content of the people who had enough money to put enough ads in front of my face. And everybody's like, you know, build the business that's your passion, like serve from your heart and you can still serve from your heart and be passionate about the work that you do. Um, but the, but the, I'm just really like learning that I, and I heard this from Marcus Lemonis, um, at a a Detroit startup week, a couple, like a year ago, he said, every idea is a great idea, but every idea is not a great business opportunity. Mm, And that really stuck with me. Um, because I think as creatives, as entrepreneurs, we have ideas that come top of mind every set, like all the time, like you'll be talking to your spouse and you guys come up with some great idea that can solve a problem. Um, but it's really dissecting like which one of these are ideas that actually will like bear fruit, like which one of these ideas really would be best suited for the, like I said, the capacity in the season that you're in to actually generate revenue right now. Um, and then which ones maybe need to be parking lotted or which ones just need to be a hobby that doesn't need to be monetized. Yeah, that's so good. And just, and I love what you're saying about, you know, really think about the season that you're in right now of your life. Because if you're someone who, you know, you don't want to have to show up each month or each week or whatever to keep this service going, like that's a big part into, into, into deciding how you're going to price something out. 
You know, if it's going to be something that's more automated, that somebody can buy once, they get what they need from it. They don't ever really need you to walk them through anything or provide them anything else after the fact. That's that's a huge thing to really get clarity on before pricing things out. And so really knowing the season that you're in, am I someone that wants to create one thing once and then have that go out into the universe and do what it does? Or am I going to be creating something that may need me to show up more, may need more of my consistent time long-term, which then obviously is should cost more. So I want to kind of dive into that a little bit. For those who may not even know that term, like what is a high ticket item? Like, what are you girls talking about? So walk us through that. What is a high ticket item versus something else? Yeah. And I think depending on who you ask, you're going to get a different answer. I, the way I look at it for me and my business and how I serve my clients, look at high ticket offers is anything, um, traditionally like 1500 to about nine grand per client. Um, some of our clients will sell services, uh, at a much higher price point than that. But I really look at it as a four ticket service and a four ticket offer. Um, where a client is paying you 1500, two grand, three grand at minimum to work with you in an engagement. Um, versus low to, and, and when I also look at besides just the price point, I think about a high ticket offer as solving like a, a specific measurable problem that somebody has. So instead of like a, you know, and I, I just saw one of my clients put this out the other day, well, this is what she was doing before and kind of where she's at now, but she started her business as, um, you know, she wants to help women um, build the confidence to launch their business. And I think that's much more of a vague, generalized statement. And she was selling a, I think, workshop for like $47. So I think typically more lower ticket offers are a bit more broad, a bit more um, like generic. They're not as specific. It's, you know, what does it mean to launch a business? What is it? How do you know whether or not you've built your confidence? Like, I think it's a lot more harder to, to pinpoint what the results are going to be versus now her signature service or what her high ticket offer is, is teaching um, DIY stationary owners how to make their first thousand dollars using Shopify. That's way more granular. It's much more niche. It's very specific who it is for, what problem it's solving and what the results is going to be. And that's why she's able to charge, I want to say our our service is like $2,500 for that offer. It's, It's much more like pinpoint, this is what I'm going to get after I work with you. So at least from my experience, I've noticed t- people who typically sell more lower ticket price points, 47, 97, $197 offers, those products or those services don't like they, I feel like they may solve one step of somebody's problem. Um, it, but they don't like, it's kind of like putting a bandaid on a bullet wound. Like they might put the bandaid on and like reduce the bleeding, but like the surgery still needs to happen to cure that person's problem. Versus I look at like a high ticket offer or a signature service actually like, I don't know, filling, I've been watching too much Grey's Anatomy, actually (laughs) filling filling the bullet wound or like doing the surgery, like actually stopping the bleeding and not just um, like really solving the actual problem. So that's kind of differences. And that's so good, Jerisha, because I, I want those because, and I see it on both ends, right? Because I have students that come to me that they're like, I'm getting confused. I don't know what to price this. I don't know if it's too high. I don't know if it's too low. Da, 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 da. But then on the other end, I'll also have people that will come into our community and they're like, why is your course so expensive? Why is this so expensive? I can't afford this right now. Da, 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 da. And it really does go back to you knowing the value of the, of the services and the programs that you're putting out there. Like I have a program that's $2,000 because I know for certain that it is 
that it is $2,000 worth of impactful content. You're going to take that program and you're literally going to transform your business, create an entirely new revenue stream and change your life for the better. I also have a program that is a $500 program and that is exactly where it's at because of the amount of content that's in there. It's easily consumable. You can get through it in a a six-hour setting or three days if you'd like, however you want to break that down. You get templates, it's broken out, you get this great community and you're out the door and you're you're going to the races. And so to me, it's, it's really kind of understanding... And if I was ever to do something that was more in person, that you're going to get more of my time, whether that was monthly or calls with me or what have you, that would be also in the thousands and thousands of dollars because I know the value and the worth of my time and the content that I that I bring out. And there's now enough social proof there to back that up. And so I think that it's, it's really important for those to remember to note that, that if something is a lower price item, it's like what Jerisha just said, it may be solving one particular piece to the pie, but it's probably not solving the vast majority of what you're looking for. If you're going in to invest in something that is a little bit more expensive or a lot more expensive, then you should be prepared to also know the value in which you're going to be given. Now, I'm going off of the assumption that people are actually creating things that are like super valuable and that work (laughs) and that are actionable and results-driven and that are integral and they're not taking your money. But that's like, it's super important to note that. And I have, you know, even some of my friends who have really high ticket items, it's like, well, of course it's $10,000. Of course it's $30,000. Like you're getting all of this. And so I think that it's really important to also understand that value piece there. You know, if you go in thinking that you're going to get the sun and the moon and the stars for $99, you're already setting yourself up for, for an expectation that's going to be violated. Yeah. I mean, like, and then think about it. I'm not sure why when we get like on the interwebs, our expectations like radically shift from like normal world. But like, think about when you went to college or like just the school system. In- My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, 
subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Just the school system in general. If you wanted to get a general degree, um, and I know like even even getting an engineering degree or um, going into law or going into medicine, typically those fields that produce higher salaries are going to be even more expensive in an undergraduate realm than like if you were, I know I paid more money being an engineer than my friends getting degrees in English because it was a specialized focus. Right. And then think about it. If you, the more that you want to specialize, the more that you want to establish yourself as an expert, the bigger results that you want to get in your business or in your life, if you're not working in B2B, like if you were to go get a master's degree, it's now more expensive. And it's not like you're going to spend more time you know, undergrad, you're spending four years, master's, maybe two. It's not like you're getting more content or consuming more, but like the depth is deeper. And then the same thing, when you go get a PhD, it's again, more expensive. You're going deeper into a specific thing, but it's producing bigger results for you. So Absolutely. it's like keeping that frame of mind or keeping that like frame of reference. When you think about purchasing programs, like, like you said, do your due diligence on who you're purchasing from and making sure that they actually have receipts to back up the results that they're promising you on the sales page. But if you want, like if, if you want to go from zero to six figures or six to seven figures, like really look at what is the upfront cost. Like look at this may be the upfront cost of what is the long-term return on my investment going to be for me making this decision. Absolutely. And it's kind of, you know, at the end of the day, just like you would at a, in, you know, a master's should be more expensive. <laughs> you know, a PhD should be more expensive. It's, you know, my programs may be expensive to some people, but they're expensive, but, but worth it.com. You know, it's like, I know the value that it is going like, you know, we have tons of students that have quit their full-time jobs and gone full force on their side hustles and grown five, six figure businesses off of a program that they bought once, you know? And it's like, I'm like, you buy it once and you go and you have a great time or, you know, what, however that's, that's mapped out. So I think that it's just, it's important for, for those listening that whether you're on the customer side wanting to invest in a program or whether you're someone who is wanting to create a program or a service, it is so important to remember this. And, you know, it's the same thing, like you said, with college, it's a great analogy. If you wanted to go get your master's in, you know, communications or science, you're going to do your due diligence. You're going to look at a bunch of different schools and you're going to find the one that you think is the best. And you're going to have to invest in, in that, in that school and really show up. So it is interesting that people get on the interwebs and then like that idea just goes out the door for some reason. And like one other thing on this, like, um, is, and I mentioned this the other day, it's amazing how kids can teach you so many lessons. I was working on like a Lego set with my little cousin. And I was like, imagine how hard it would be to put together this Lego set if we did not have instructions. 
even when you have instructions, it's tough sometimes. (laughs) Totally. And I think about that in business or think about that with your business. Like if you're right now following no instructions, no proven process to get you the results that you want, and you just have all these pieces in front of you and you're just like trying to put it together, imagine how that is in your business and investing in something that gives you the that instruction and gives you that recipe to put the pieces together, knowing which one to put in where is invaluable. Like otherwise it could take you who knows how long with just all these pieces sitting in front of you trying to build the the end result um, versus if I think about how much faster, how much more time you can save and ultimately what your earning potential could be because you're not wasting time trying to figure it out by following somebody else's roadmap within their program. Absolutely. So my little cousin was like, I'm like, I got to hang out with you more often. I'm learning some good life lessons. (laughs) There you go. They do. They teach you things. Um, Okay. So speaking of high ticket items, high ticket services, that's what you specialize in. Walk us through how you do this. I know that you have a program called Services That Sale. So walk us through what this teaches you and, and, and how someone could go into this and then leave this knowing exactly how to sell a successful high ticket signature service. Absolutely. So the first thing is, is like, we really teach the fundamentals of selling offers. Um, So what I mean by that is we're not going to be talking about webinars. We don't talk about sales pages. We don't talk about websites. We don't talk about building an email list. We don't talk about creating any complicated funnels. It's like the, what is the simplest way for you to go out there, take the skills you already have and sell your services. So we teach our students, it's really a four part framework. Um, The first step is, and it's, kind of formulated around what I call the pop method. So the first part of the the framework is really all about how do I package my offer? I think that's probably one of the most critical aspects of you being able to sell high ticket is you need to get crystal clear on um, picking one problem. What is a problem that you're going to be solving? Um, Pick one person. Who is that minimum viable audience you're going to be solving to? And then kind of like the secret sauce here is packaging your process, package one process. I think as you start to elevate into higher ticket price points, Um, You want to get focused on selling your methodology, selling your framework, not just only selling you as a personality. And I think that's probably one of the most leverageable assets in your business is what your framework and what your methodology is. So that's what we do with our students in the very first step is figuring out, okay, like what should they even be selling? Like based off of all the things you know, all the expertise and the skill sets that you have, which one of those skill sets would be best turned into and leveraged into a high ticket offer and what's the best way to kind of start packaging that up. So that's the first thing that we do. The second thing we do is all about pricing. Um, and I'm, I don't know about other business coaches or other people, but like, I don't want my clients just to know how to make money. I'm really, uh, adamant about them understanding basic financial, like business financial acumen understanding how to not just make money, but actually be able to pay themselves, afford Uncle Sam during tax time and cover their business expenses while maintaining a healthy cash flow. So in pricing, we look at kind of peeling back the layers on what their current money mindset is. Probably one of the biggest areas where our our clients struggle is they will project their limiting money beliefs onto their potential clients. And that's a huge reason why they struggle with being able to sell a higher ticket offer is because they have these limiting beliefs around what somebody might pay or not pay, how it might be judged or not judged. So we peel back that mental piece first, but then um, and in that same aspect, we talk about business, like financial acumen. How do we make sure that you are being profitable from the very beginning, um, making enough money to pay for yourself and helping you understand 
how do I kind of ramp up my revenue versus going from like zero to a hundred? Um, so we talk all about b- making business, like forecasting your finances at a, as a service-based business owner while still being able to pay yourself and hit your income goals. After we've packaged your service, after we've effectively priced your service, probably the, the next most important part is all about your positioning. And this is where uh, many of our students have huge breakthroughs, um, mainly because I think that a lot of other people just talk about go get like go create more content. You just need to be visible. You need to communicate value, but um, few actually explain. Okay, what kind of specific content am I supposed to be making? In what order to actually provide value? Like, what does it mean for me to provide value? And kind of one thing that I learned um, back in corporate, but also just through research, is you have to understand. You have to align what your marketing strategy is with how buyers make buying decisions. And that's really like the gold of it all. And this is really how you start to position your offer is um, there's really like three phases of awareness that a client goes through before they are willing to buy something. Um, They're unaware. They don't know what problem they have. They don't know what solution they need. They then they go into problem aware where they know their problem, but they don't know the solution to their problem. And then solution aware, they know the solution to their problem, but they now need to decide who they want to buy that problem from or buy that solution from. And um, when you can create content that speaks to all three levels of awareness and align your content and your signature service with how a, a potential customer makes a buying decision, like the earning potential is limitless at that point. So it's really uh, module three, the position module is all about helping you align your marketing strategy with how buyers make buying decisions, teaching you basic um, sales psychology in regards to how we actually make buying decisions as humans and matching up your content with that. And then we introduce our students to what I call the lean launch. Um, it's really the simplest way to sell. It's strictly using live stream videos and this sales psychology to create really effective content with your live video and then getting people on a sales call. That, that's the whole sales funnel, live stream video, sales call, close. Um, and then in module four, we teach them how to sell over the phone, how to structure a sales conversation, really how to you know, create a container around the sales process to guide somebody through that decision-making period, um, and really how to overcome sales objections, how to structure the sales calls. So, and I really look at those four things as like the fundamentals that every business owner definitely needs to have in place. But especially if you start, you know, going into more elevated price points, um, those are, you know, packaging, pricing, positioning, and actually profiting, learning how to sell on sales calls, um, I think are the most important things. So we teach it in just a very lean, simple way. It sounds very lean and simple. Like the way that you're mapping it out, I'm like, I can just see it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, Okay. A couple of questions that were coming up for me. The first one is, okay, so you said that anything that's like over $1,500 plus, you you would consider a high ticket item. So that's when someone could essentially learn this model, do the sales calls, go through that that proven system that you've created? Yeah. Anybody who wants to start selling higher ticket or currently has a high ticket offer, but they're not selling it consistently would, this is definitely who our program is for. Okay. And then what if someone, or if I was thinking, okay, so I get that, but do I need to sell like a bunch of lower ticket stuff first before I can even offer a higher ticket item? Or like, how does that work? Great question. I'd say um, many of our students have tried. They've tried to go down the traditional route of selling lower ticket offers. Um, and, and I think sometimes it can get to a point where it almost burns them, where 
Like Jay, I've been trying to sell low ticket offers for the longest, $19, $97. And if people won't buy my cheap stuff, how the heck are they going to buy my more expensive thing? There's no way that will work for me. Um, and like, so I'd say about 60% of our clients have gone down the other route. They've tried to build digital products. They've tried to sell lower ticket offers and they have not been successful. Um, and they're like, okay, some, there's a disconnect somewhere. And I think the main reason being is I believe that it's pretty diff- Like I said, if you don't have volume to sell to, and if you don't have money to buy those leads, like to buy the audience to sell to, I think it can be really difficult to hit your income goals if you have an audience of a hundred people and you're trying to sell a $27 thing versus if you have an audience of a hundred people and your goal is just to convert three or five of them at $2,000, you are in a much different financial position. So I'd say majority of our clients have gone down that route or have tried that route or have either done their services for free and they know they have value to bring to the table. They just have no idea how to package it, how to communicate the value in a way that their ideal client actually understands and actually how to support somebody through the sales process. Mm, that's so good. And so guys, if you are listening and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing information. How do I, I'm going to have to listen to this episode 5 million times. You can head over to juliesolomon.net forward slash 135 to download a free transcript of everything that we're talking about right now, because I know this is good stuff and you will not want to miss it. So juliesolomon.net forward slash 135 to get that free transcript and you can start highlighting and doing all of that good stuff. Now, Jerisha, for someone who feels like they need a little bit more customized help to succeed, is there a community or a group or something that's part of this program where they can, you know, pitch ideas to somebody else, have some accountability, ask, ask questions, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Like I'm not a fan of one-on-one coaching personally. Like I've always gotten the biggest results um, when it's kind of more of a hybrid program. Uh, so, and that's how I teach personally. So really there's like three layers to how we support our clients. So one, and I, I kind of go back to school all the time with this or whatever, but like there's a, there's the course itself, which is like your traditional textbook. Um, there's, you know, and I do not believe in like fluffy, overwhelming amounts of content. Like our content is very much broken down into super digestible chunks, um, where you eat a little bit and then you kind of go run and do the thing. Then you come back and you learn a little bit and you kind of go out and do the thing. Like it's much more focused on our growth assignments and you implementing. So we have the course, there is the community, which is probably one of our hugest value add um, is, you know, and it is a Facebook group, but it's probably one of the most engaged Facebook groups, you know, and this is like from our students' mouths, they've ever participated in, in a course, you know, I'm in there on a daily basis. Our team is in there on a daily basis. We have a services that sell specialist, um, to also help you with making sure that you understand the content. Um, and we have a no student left behind policy. So part of the software that we use to deliver our course content, it lets us uh, kind of see everything. We, and there's, we can see when you've logged in, if you haven't logged in, where you got stuck on a certain module. And it's also our responsibility. Like we're invested in your investment. You know, like the biggest way that we measure results in our business is how well, how big our clients, like how well our clients are doing with getting results in their own business. So we, like I said, we have a no student left behind policy. Um, if you try to ghost, it'd be very difficult. <laughs> um, like you will get a text message, you will get a phone call, you will get a, a, a card in the mail, like you will get a DM. Um, we are invested in your investment. So 
we we definitely check in on our students and make sure that they are removing any barriers that might be holding them back from moving forward and helping you know throughout that process. Um, and then we have our coaching calls. So you know every month um, they have you know I will do one on one coaching calls where we kind of answer all these one on one questions that may you may have had. Um, and like I said, we also do biweekly like services that sell specialist Q and A calls. So there's like layers of accountability wrapped in and we just have one of our core values is personalized relationships. So we really integrate a lot of personal touches um, into the process of our program too, to make sure that our clients are getting the absolute best results. But I mean, like the average online course um, has like a 12% completion rate in our industry. Mm -hmm. Our course, I mean, about 80% of our students actually finish our program. um, And of those 80% that do the work, finish the program, they I'd say it's about, I think we're at about 70% earn a full return on their investment within um, 90 days. It's amazing. So I'm like, do your due diligence, people. Like I'd, I'd ask these questions, but it's, you know, we definitely screen to make sure that we have clients that come in who want to do the work, who want to get the results, um, but who also need the support to get there. And we're there with them every step of the way. That's awesome. Thank you so much for walking us through that. Um, I know that you have something else that you developed called the POP method. And it's a framework that really helps students kind of narrow down their focus, because I think that that's also a big, a big key to all of this. Could you walk us through what that is? Yes. So it's kind of a five-part process. Um, And if you're listening, I would definitely like jot down notes at this point. Um, But the first part of the POP method is pick one problem. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about when you come into packaging your offer. Um, you need to get very specific about what problem you're solving for your potential client. So pick one problem, pick one person. So who is that minimum viable audience that you're going to be selling to? You know, uh, generally saying like, I want to empower all women is not specific enough. Like, let's get super granular about that. Um, and then package one process. Like, what is your you know framework? What is your methodology? Kind of what's the recipe that you would give somebody so they can follow this recipe and then, you know, get the end result they, that you're helping them achieve. So those are the first three parts of the pop method, um, which is, like I said, really the recipe in which you help your clients get results, solving that specific problem for that specific person. And then it's, um, so you pick one person, pick one problem, package one process. Then you want to pick one platform. And I think this is one where people get tripped up all the time. But what is the one platform that you want to start to establish your expertise and credibility on? And I think it's kind of based off where your strengths are. You better at video, audio, or written format? Um, And then based off of which medium you really would like to leverage, then pick a platform that best caters to that. So um, I think live video is probably one of the most impactful ways and the fastest ways for you to build that know, like, and trust factor. Um, Facebook would be a really great platform for that, or, you know, Instagram, whatever it is for you, but pick one platform that you kind of want to go all in on that you want to be your home base where you establish your credibility and expertise on. And then you want to pick one profit conversion tool. And what I mean by that is like, what's the actual vehicle that you're going to use to sell your service? Um, is it going to be sales calls? Is it going to be webinars? Is it going to be, you know, email? Um, I would focus on nailing down one and getting really, really good and getting really, really consistent results around one profit conversion tool specifically before you start to branch off or try to add in multiple layers at one time. Um, so those are, you know, I, I highly recommend doing live video and doing sales calls as those last two kind of points in the pop method. 
That is awesome. Thank you so much. And I love what you said. Just really, it's really about nurturing and getting one thing going as strong as you possibly can before you start going and creating like 50,000 other million things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so important. Um, so the last thing that I want to touch on, and we kind of have, but I, I, I want to hit this home because I think it's important. In order for someone to sell high ticket items, do you have to have a newsletter, a big newsletter, a big following on social media, all of these things? Not at all. And that's the beauty of it. Like most of our students, um, one particularly is coming to mind, Linda. She is a vice president at a company. So she has, and she does like international, she has like international responsibilities. So this woman, you know, is, um, a, you know, a bit more mature in age. Um, she had an Instagram account to keep up with her daughter in college. Uh, you know, and she's been working in corporate. She's at a very high demand role in her corporate job. She had no idea what an email list was before we started working together. Um, she barely, she, she wasn't active on Facebook. Like she had no audience basically. Like really when I say starting from the bottom, I mean, starting from the bottom. Um, but we, she really followed the pop method. Like what I just explained to you guys, she focused on creating a signature service. Um, she helps women, uh, who like basically helps them develop their executive presence so they can get a C-suite position. So it's very specific, very niche signature service. And I think to date after being in business for, uh, almost two years, maybe a year and a half in business, she has 30 people on her email list. Half of her email list is clients of hers, and they didn't join the email list until after they <laughs> started working with her. Um, and you know, she's consistently selling six to nine thousand dollar offers. You do not, and I think that's the beauty of selling high ticket. You're not relying on having a huge audience to sell to, um, but really getting super granular and kind of like being like the brain surgeon. Like I'm thinking of McDreamy from Grey's Anatomy, like. Everybody doesn't need brain surgery. Um, but when you do, or if you have that problem, like that's why he got paid the most in, in the hospital. Like that's why they make the most money. They solve a specific problem for a specific person. And it's usually very niche versus being a general practitioner or like a, I don't know, like that can serve anybody that comes into the ER or whatever. Um, and it's kind of that same philosophy when you, when you approach it into your business. So I, you do, you absolutely do not need, we don't teach our students how to build an email list at all. Like I'm, I'd much rather you, um, if the call to action is to download my PDF or to book a call, like our call to action that we have all of our students do is book a call with you. And I know when the, you know, everybody's like, I want a passive business. I want it to be more automated, but like, you have to have something to automate you. Like once you have a proven framework, um, and you have a proven process around how you get your clients results, that methodology is what then turns into the digital course that you later create. But um, you absolutely do not need to have a large audience. You don't need to have a huge Facebook group. You don't need to be getting thousands of video views on a daily basis for you to be able to solve a specific problem for a specific person at a high ticket price point. Oh, so good. Thank you so much for walking us through that. So Jerisha, where can our listeners, if they want to learn more about um, working with you and about services that sell, where can they find that information? Absolutely. I would first recommend that you visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop, and it will really guide you through more of what my methodology is on flipping the funnel, like really, um, you know, focusing on a minimal viable audience and really helping you work through that pop, pop, pop method on which one, like what should, 
you know, those elements of the pop method, what should those things be for you and your business? Um, so you can just visit drashahawk.com backslash workshop to learn all about that. Awesome. Well, where else can we find you? Cause I know that you have a great podcast and I know that you're on social media. Yeah. So I do have a podcast. It's called Jerisha said, um, and it's really focused on helping people serve their clients, sell their services and ultimately scale beyond one-on-one. So you can listen to me on iTunes, Spotify, basically wherever you listen to Julie, you can listen to me too. Um, and then I'm always having a, a fun time over on Instagram and on Facebook. So you can look me up at Jerisha Hawk on either of those platforms and come join the Hawk Hustle crew. Amazing. Thank you again so much for being here today, walking us through that, debunking all of the myths that people may have about selling in general, especially high ticket items, and uh, really getting us thinking more appropriately for pricing. So I really, really appreciate that. It's been awesome having you today. Thank you so much. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the Influencer Podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right. I will see you again, same time, same place next week. Next time on the Influencer Podcast. If it's about learning, learning what your audience want, what they need, you know, what they're saying, listening to them. So putting out regular surveys to find out, you know, what do you love about this? What would you improve? What, um, what challenges are you facing? What is, what can we help you with? And just asking questions on a regular basis so that you can let them lead the way. Um, and also not being afraid to try new things and then also remove things. So in the past we've had features that we've tested out that we don't have anymore.